This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Lads, 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 lads. I won't do that again. It's already incredibly cringe. This, I mean, I am, I think, the poster boy of modern English laddishness. We've got a very special show today. I'm not sure, like, it's coming home. The, the tile could, it could age poorly within hours. Like, could be quite an unfortunate title. But I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm feeling good. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, this is just a cynical and desperate attempt to jump on a bandwagon in order to crudely shoehorn in some points about the left and identity and patriotism. And you'd be absolutely right. Yeah. Well, what? I mean, what else? We're not going to do another one about COVID. It's a happy day. So we might as well do something, you know, getting in the spirit of things. Um, so I'm not going to talk very much now because I don't really know what I'm talking about. That's why I've got two experts in who, who do. That's enough. That's enough babbling. We've got a great show to go ahead. So I'm going to bring in the wonderful, the magnificent Billy Bragg and Asaga. Hello. Hey. Hello. Lads. Hey, hey. This Look sugar it. babes reboot needs work. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually think that's not a bad idea. Let's do it. The Sugar Bates Revival, meet Billy and Ash. I can see it. <laughs> uh, how are we feeling? Pretty pumped. Billy, Billy's obviously more in the spirit than... I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best, yeah. I'm kind of... I'm going to have to watch it home on, home on my own on the sofa with, with my partner. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to get into the mood of the day, doing my chores in my England 1966 shirt. And what are you now calling call that, Billy? What? You, what the, the, the this year. Yeah, what do you call oh, it? Oh, the three felines on my shirt. Yeah, I saw I saw that today on uh, on uh, Twitter. I thought that's really good. That, that's the, kind of like the woke version of uh, Three Lines. Three Lines on the show. I tell you what, I do love. I do love how they have to keep saying the men's football team because the women's football team, of course, have been in a World Cup final before twice. I think so. It's great that it's kind of like now it has to be uh, the men's football team who's not doing so well, where the women's football team has done a lot better. Well, we all know that men take a while to catch up. You know, you're a little slow. Um, I'm very slow. Sunday morning. Um, what we're, I'm going to bring up something just because this became a bit of a palaver because people are completely unhinged. I mean, that's partly what we're going to talk about, but it's, it's a way in. It's an interesting kind of thing to talk about. So me and Ash watched the game. Was it two, it's two weeks ago now, wasn't it? Was it last week? I've lost track of time. Oh, it was a week ago. It was a week ago. So let's have a look. We've got this picture of me and Ash there. Look at our little face. Ash is actually watching the football there. Uh, she wasn't, I don't think, happy with the particular angle I chose there. But she's actually paying attention because Ash is a genuine, passionate football fan, unlike me, who is a plastic jumping on the bandwagon because it's the Euros football fan, which is a legitimate thing to attack me for. That's fine. Anyway, this went absolutely berserk. We got, I'd say, quite a lot of death threats, <laughs> threats of violence. Brilliant. Lots of people thought it was funny because we're wearing black to suggest we're fascist because... Uh, uh, <laughs> suggesting a, a gay guy and a woman of colour who are actually targeted by Nazis calling us fascists because of our dress work. Very funny. But anyway, this was actually then appeared in a few newspapers, including the Socialist Workers Party. And they said, remember when the left was against nationalism and flags? It wasn't that long ago when Labour leader Keir Starmer started delivering speeches in front of giant Union Jacks. Most of the left rightly got annoyed and took the piss. A few successful England football games later, that's all forgotten. Mm. Starmer poses in a budget England t-shirt for a photo shot in one upmarket pub. So Pineapple, actually, quite a nice pub in Kentish Town. And in another pub, I like the way they wrote, soft left writer. <laughs> they enjoyed that. Soft left writer Owen Jones takes a picture in front of a giant St. George's cross. That's the same Owen Jones who complained about Starmer's 
inauthentic flag waving just one month ago. Still, as he pointed out, it was the pub that put the flag up, not him. He just happened to take himself in front of it. There's a less cowardly excuse doing the rounds from other lefties on the England bandwagon. It's not a ca- what do you mean cowardly excuse? That's just what anyway. It's a diverse team, they say. It's players take the knee. We can all unite behind this progressive patriotism. Yeah, I don't know if people have been to a pub. Well, the Socialist Workers Party clearly haven't. But if you go to a pub, they're plastered in England flags because it's the Euros and it's England. So they're covered in... Do you want me to set fire to it next time? To the pub decor. <laughs> Today in the Herald, Ian McWhorter, stop going on about the photo. Admittedly, I am now. Uh, wrote, even the Guardian's ultra-woke columnist, Owen Jones, posted a selfie in front of a cross of St. George alongside the mm, unfortunate, unfortunate phraseology here, left Muslim hyphenated... <laughs> Editor of Nirvana Media, Ashaka. What do you just just say something about all this? I mean, look, um, I, I think that the kind of confected outrage around the photo was really because the right called this wrong. Right at the beginning of the tournament, I think they thought that England were going to do poorly. They wanted to create a whole culture war, polarization around taking the knee. And so they took a really obnoxious line of like, we're going to boycott the match or, you know, fans are right to boo. They're allowed to boo the players. And then England are doing really well. And it's a diverse team. They're taking the knee. And it is this moment of, I think, quite uncomplicated joy and collective participation where we can all feel proud of something which represents the country. Um, Whether you call that progressive patriotism or something else is something which we can all participate in and feel good about. And the right are now going, oh, crap, maybe we, maybe we don't own this anymore. Maybe we called this wrong. So I think there was a kind of backdrop of, like, paranoia, um, which drove the response to that photo. Um, and that's why it became such a big deal. But, yeah, the thing that annoys me is I've been a long-suffering football fan my whole life, right? I've been, like, backing the England team um, and Spurs, right? So I'm no stranger to heartbreak. And the one time we're doing well, can you just let me enjoy it? Like, let me live. Let me just have this like uncomplicated moment of like passion and joy and pleasant surprise without trying to kill me. That would be great. Um, but that phrasing of left Muslim is so revealing. Like what does me being a Muslim have to do with anything? Why would that mean that I was, you know, less likely to support England. I mean, this is the country that I was born in, it's the country I was raised in, the country I live in. Um, why wouldn't I be happy when, you know, Raheem Sterling scores a screamer? There's also, also something else going on with the socialist workers there. There's been a lot of pushback, I've found, on the idea of progressive patriotism from the, what, the Marxist left, who are insisting that race, gender, ethnicity, nationality, are all um, identity politics, but class isn't. That they, you know, well, surely class is, is you know, the thing about um, ident- all identity is a construct, and you know, race is a construct, gender a construct, class is is a construct that's uh, shaped by economics. It's another construct, but they're they're kind of in the same way that the right are trying to keep patriotism for themselves. So the the left are trying to keep uh, the idea of class politics at a, at the expense of um, other groups, they don't seem to have grasped the way intersectionality has come forward in the last couple of years to broaden out the notion of, of identity. And, uh, and that their knee-jerk reaction is the same as the knee-jerk reaction by the patriotic right. Yeah, Billy, I mean, I suppose a lot of... I mean, the Socialist Workers Party put it pretty crudely because they like to kill all fun. Um, well, they do. That's what they do. They just... I mean... That, yeah, no their... sense of humour. Trotsky has yeah. no sense of humour whatsoever. Literally <laughs> on. No, no sense of humor. No, okay. Some people would go though. Come on, though. Patriotic fervor. The left. You know, we're internationalists. Workers of the world have. You know, you know, of the workers of the world unite. Where this is kind of patriotic fervor dividing people up. In fact, there's a meme though. Here we go. There's a meme on Twitter. Let me just put it up. It's quite a funny one. It's some. Is there a meme? Yeah. There it is. <laughs> and those listening on the podcast. It's uh, the meme of a guy checking out a woman with his girlfriend staring angrily at him. Uh, but it says militant anti-nationalism staring at left Twitter who's checking out Gareth Southgate. So <laughs> what do you think about that, Billy? I mean, no, we'll go to you, actually. Patriotism is, you know, it's, it's a great meme. What do you think about that, though? Because some would go, well, actually, is this, is this healthy? 
Well, look, I mean, no, I don't think any any investment in football is healthy. It's ruined my life. Um, it's just serving me well now. Um, look, I, I think that sometimes we try and collapse and reduce the meaning of fun, joyous moments into quite reductive political boxes. Is this patriotism? Is this nationalism? Is this progressive patriotism? I think for some people, it is an expression of a more progressive kind of patriotism. I've been talking uh, to my partner who is, you know, overjoyed with how the team's doing. And he was saying, you know, for the first time in my life, I feel proud to be English and I feel connected to a sense of English identity that I feel good about. For me, I don't feel that in quite the same way, but I feel so proud of the vision of the country that this team is representing of young, diverse, and also the way in which the lads all interact with each other. It's a kind of, you know, um, non-toxic masculinity there's something really nice about it and for other people you know it's a more kind of nebulous sense of affinity of just taking joy in you know other people and how football connects you with other people so one of the things I'm really wary about is is trying to like make this fit a particular political box of is this progressive patriotism or regressive patriotism I think it's a lot of things to different people and we shouldn't I think over determine the meaning too much. But can we look at the meaning, what patriot, the difference between patriotism and nationalism? Can we look at that? Because I think personally, um, I think that patriotism uh, is how you feel personally about your country. It's a personal thing. Whereas nationalism is a political expression of self-determination, which can be positive and ne negative. You know, you can have civic nationalism, you can have ethnic nationalism, the difference between the SNP and the BNP. And because patriotism is part of personal identity, it's, it's, a, it's an intangible. So it means different things to different people at different times. But what it does do, it does feed into how society uh, uh, feels about itself. And because it, all this would be just something to talk about, um, you know, uh, for academics, if it weren't for the fact that the English identity is coming to the fore, you know, the possibility of Scottish independence, uh, the fact that the English majority voted to leave the European Union. And the problem we have for, as England is we don't have clear examples of who we are in today in the 21st century. We have no parliament to look at. We have no national museum where you can go and see yourself in the narrative. We don't even have our own national anthem. So as a result, our teams, whether it's the men's football team or the rugby team, the cricket team, the darts team, whatever, they're a kind of... That they give meaning to that abstract idea of who we are today, and we see ourselves reflected in them. So for the England team, the men's England football team, to conduct themselves in the way they have, to not just play on the pitch in a successful way, which fires us all up, but to, to kind of put forward values of inclusivity, values of diversity, values of, of caring about others, of empathy. These are important things. In a, in a, again, it's an abstract thing. I'm not saying it's, you know, we're suddenly going to rid racism. You only need to listen to them booing the national anthems to realise that what a long way we've got to go. But in that kind of psychodrama that we're going through around Brexit and around um, uh, the, the situation we find ourselves in at the moment, this, this can have an, in, an interesting uh, possibilities in building on that image of England that our sports teams put forward. I mean, can I just come in? Can I just come in on that? I mean, one, you said that England doesn't have a national anthem. I would like to put forward we do, and it's talking the hardest by gigs as our unofficial <laughs> national anthem. But I think just to pick up on what you said, which is that patriotism is about how you feel about you know your country, is that patriotism is a reduction of how you feel about your country because I feel a lot of really complicated, contradictory things about England and about the UK more broadly. On the one hand, I am so deeply English, it's not even funny, all right? No other nation could produce somebody this obnoxious, all right? This is English through and through. I've got a love for the literature, the music, the sports culture. I've been, you know, raised in this and, and I, I, I love its cultural expressions. And then also at the same time, there are the histories of imperialism, colonialism, racism, um, you know, and, and class-based exploitation, where I go, hang on, if I was to sum up how I feel about this country in one word and call it patriotism, you would lose so much of that richness and that texture and that complication. 
And one of the things which I find really exciting about the way in which I think there are some newer, more interesting expressions of Englishness and English national identity is that it's not trying to force it into the box of progressive patriotism. Um, one of my favorite rappers um, in the world, Kano, um, his album Made in the Manor had that incredible track, This is England. Um, and, you know, even the next album he did, Hoodies All Summer, there was, it was just suffused by a very deep Englishness, a kind of connection to, you know, East End lad culture, but obviously is like through the prism of black British identity, um, you know, connection to, you know, dance hall music, forms of emceeing, which have come from the Caribbean. And all that richness and cultural layering, I think that if you go, oh, and that's progressive patriotism, you lose what's actually beautiful about it, which is what's complicated. Well, of course, of course, patriotism is always complicated. And unfortunately, identity is always contested. There, ne there isn't one defining, uh, you know, thing that, that brings us, you know, you can't, you can't make a list of the things that are English and you tick off this list and you're English. I mean, top of my list would be Marmite, you know, so, after, <laughs> you know, after country will be out there already. What we need, the problem we have on, on the left is that there's a knee-jerk reaction against any expression of patriotism. You know, when... when um, in the one of the World Cups, the World Cup after Euro 96, I must be 98, um, the headmaster of my kid's little village school here in Dorset told me that he was going to ban parents coming to the school gate with England flags on their cars. And I said, well, why are you doing that? He said, well, because of the connotations. I said, man, it's the, it's the World Cup. The context is the World Cup. These people aren't neo-Nazis. It's the World Cup. So I think what we need is we need some way of progressive people to glom on to the idea of patriotism, to start standing up for the values that our country claims to live up for, tolerance, the rule of law, uh, you know, the, the uh, fairness, these ideas that really are the basis of a cohesive society. Because if we don't, if we turn our back on it, it's left to people like Nigel Farage to, to represent England, you know, and the far right to decide who does and who doesn't belong. If we can't put forward a, a an engaging idea of what contemporary England, and I say England rather than Britain here, because I think there's there's a possibility, looking at what the Scots have done in the last 30 years, they've developed a kind of post-imperial identity that's available to people who want to be part of that. And and I'd like to think that that if we deal with the, all those problems that you talked about that are to do with the British Empire and our, and our role in the world, that Englishness might be, a progressive Englishness, and uh, I hate to say it, a new Englishness, might be a place where we find each other and say, you know, I'm okay with this. It's not perfect, but it's it contains everything within this space we call England, good and bad, the things that we love, the things that we hate, but at least we have something in common. And when we're looking for expressions of that, then the men's football team is a good place to start. I mean, look, I, I agree with you in terms of the men's football team representing this like kind of joyous expression of Englishness, which is inclusive, which is diverse, it's modern and it's, you know, outward looking. And that's what I love about it. That's what I love about those lads. Um, but I guess the problem I'm highlighting isn't just one about English history and identity being contested. It's also the problem of kind of holding on too tightly to something. And then you lose, I guess, that kind of spontaneity and like authenticity in in how you express yourself you know I'm not I'm not scared of of engaging with symbols of Englishness and for me there's something really wonderful about seeing you know um a song for the Euros being you know Olay by Crepton Conan and it's a song which is you know kind of engaging with like this history of like English football music obvious references to three lions and stuff like that but it's also you know a, a drill song do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. he's like, yeah, you know, right. and, I, and, I, and I think that's amazing. And I suppose for me, I'm so, I'm almost concerned that by trying to shove it into this box and make it fit the banner of progressive patriotism, you lose that, that spontaneity, that authenticity. And the thing that culture does, which is emerge, not because of politics, but in spite of it. Do you know yeah, what I, I mean? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I think Crept and Conan are a good, uh, a good example of that. Because what it, what it, makes is it makes people who, who may not um, think of, you know, some some people, particularly people who are uh, um, descended from immigrants from the former colonies whose, whose parents or grandparents had British passports, tend to think of themselves more as British. They find that as a more accessible identity, whereas Englishness tends to be, they see that to be an ethnic identity. And that should change. I think Crepton Cohen helped 
you know, people who don't normally identify as English say, okay, yeah, maybe I am part of this. The football team opens up that idea of what it can be. And I don't think about it as being squeezed into a box. I think of it more being more a kind of like a connection between people where we have that other connection so that we recognize that there are different types of patriotism. You know, there are, you know, there's the traditional patriots who, who are obsessed with symbols and how they're displayed. And then there's, there's a more progressive side who are more interested in the values that our country claims to uh, um, adhere to and how we live up to them or not, who are willing to criticize, who are not my country right or wrong. And there's going to be a struggle around that, about who does and who doesn't belong in the years to come. You know, the Tories are, are pushing hard on that culture war issue. And we need to, um, without, uh, you know, seeding uh, in the territory, we need to be able to make a case for who we are as a community and how we stand together and how we push back against the culture war, because the culture war, I believe, is a rearguard action against uh, anti-racism and diversity. So we really can do I, need to fight that battle. Could I maybe ask you a little bit about the role of art and music and culture in all of this? Sorry, Owen, I've just sidelined you. Did this is your though. fucking you show. Did. I'm so sorry. I was, this. I was like, I forgot I was presenting. I was like, this is a really interesting show I'm watching. Before but, we do arts and culture, though. Uh, it's good. Cool. Oh, let's go. Let's hear arts and culture. Let's hear it. Come on. Let's hear it. No, we're not doing it yet. Ash is not staging a coup against me. <laughs> this is ludicrous. This is like, mutiny. Blimey. <laughs> Just before we do arts and culture, which is very important. Um, so, I mean, one of the things you're both talking well, Billy was speaking about it specifically before about how Scottish nationalism takes this civic, inclusive kind of form, you know, where Scottish nationalism in its modern form often. It talks about multiculturalism. It talks about diversity and and, and 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 has a kind of, you know, almost defines itself against what it sees as this very, uh, you know, of nativist blood and soil English nationalism. So what's interesting, what's been very interesting, of course, about the England team is before each match, they take the knee. In fact, we've got a picture, I think, of Tyrone Mings taking the knee. Uh, and... In fact, Billy, you did a debate about this on Channel 4 News with Calvin Robinson. I don't know what you did in a previous life, but I've had to debate him as well, so we did something pretty bad. Let's just have a little clip. Let's have a little clip of you and Calvin. You know, oh, and when the fans returned to the stadiums and football teams started hearing the boos when, when they were taking a knee, they should have learned the lesson that fans were not interested in this polit politics on the field. And it's not a case of being racist into or not racist. from the stands? It, no, it's know, a case it's, of fans it's who I mean, paid a no, lot of money. Paid a lot of money to be the there, idea, letting the, their voices the, be heard. Billy, the idea that the that the England team are a bunch of Marxists is so ridiculous, Calvin. You're, you're working said, Billy, so though, hard to separate no, no, no. to separate us from the, the great thing that the team has done. It's absolutely ridiculous to suggest that. And the real problem with booing is the booing of national anthems, the booing, the belligerent. Uh, insular, belligerent English identity that boos the national anthems of other countries. That's what we should be complaining about. That's what the Prime Minister should be getting out saying that is not acceptable. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I suppose, but do you think genuinely this is a moment? This is a big seismic <clears throat> shift, and one of the, there will be a lasting legacy where the progressive patriotism, and you've been banging this drum for a long time. This is its moment. Well, I mean, it's hard. I don't think you can, you know, it's like music can't change the world, football can't change the world either. It doesn't have agency, but it does. It does represent a shift in people's sense of of what it means, what English that intangible thing I was talking about earlier. For instance. In 96, when England had to play Scotland at Wembley, 
that's when people started using the St George's flag again because we couldn't take the Union Jack because which was hitherto what football fans had used because Scotland also were in that so they started using the flag of St George and so that kind of perception changed there so it does change perceptions it does allow us to have these debates it does allow uh, people us to see people who are not normally associated with the English identity the ethnic English identity to suddenly realise, you know what, they're in this as much as we are. They have as much invested in this as we are. You know, and that's kind of, that's it. that encourages people to have a broader sense of, of that intangible identity. You know, we have to live up with the, we live up to, uh, uh, you know, own up to the horrible things that are also done in our name. You know, the booing national anthems, the abusing of fans from other teams and stuff like that. We can't turn our back on that. But how do we push back against it? We push back against it by uh, having a, a different idea about who we are, to a different starting place, so that when we do talk about Englishness, we're not we're not ceding the ground to the to the neo Nazis and the and the ultra nationalists. I mean, Ash, it's interesting. The polling by opinion today shows that people's views on England players taking the knee: fifty six percent support, thirty two percent opposed. So all those people screaming on Twitter, but also the England fans booing. What do you think that means? What, what do you think the, it, you know, it represents, not just the fact that the players are doing it, but the reaction to it? Including I mean, I think it, it, it represents the fact that um, pop culture is powered by young people um, and also people from, you know, diverse backgrounds, BAME backgrounds, and reflects a set of values which is at odds with a sizable portion of the country who are older and more socially conservative and it's a kind of conflict that you see play out in all sorts of areas of pop culture from you know Beyonce uh, dressing her dancers up as the Black Panthers and arranging themselves like in a big X at the Super Bowl to you know yes um, you know sportsmen and women taking the knee in support of Black Lives Matter I think that it takes a kind of social and cultural fault line and puts it right at the heart of um, the national conversation because that's 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 where sport is you know it's it's right at how we perceive ourselves as a country so I think that that's why it's so contested um, because it also says that you know BLM isn't this kind of scary um, you know hyper-partisan cause there's a moral urgency and you can't ask black players um, to pretend that they're not black and that racism doesn't affect them. And then you can't ask the colleagues, the white colleagues of black players to pretend that they don't see how racism affects their friends, their comrades, their peers. Um, and that's, I think that's, that's why it's, it's contested because it's saying you will not ignore this. You will not ignore um, the way in which racism structures everything our everyday lives but also the experiences of these black players who you know people have always been happy with you know black people when they're sort of you know performing acts of you know sporting or cultural excellence the coin flips when they have when they start speaking up for themselves as human beings and citizens and then it's all a bit you know i'll oh, shut up and dance and it's something that we've seen time and time again um but it's i think it's really impressive the way in which they've stuck by their guns and refuse to be intimidated uh, by that small section of fans booing or, you know, the kind of fury in the press. And I think Gareth Southgate coming out and mounting quite, you know, a spirited and vociferous defence of his players taking the knee, I think was really important. Um, because I think one of the things that gets said of taking the knee is, oh, it's divisive. I mean, personally, I think racism is more divisive. But let's say it's true. Let's say taking the knee is divisive. Does that mean that it's a bad thing if you divide on the line of people who want to show solidarity with black people across the world who are subject to uh, racist state violence and people who really hate that image of solidarity? That's not a bad dividing line. What? Ash, actually, sorry, arts and culture. Ask, you can oh, do this. Oh, wait, 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 let me just come back. Let me just come back. <laughs> I, think, I think there's two things that are happening in the booing. Uh, on, the, on, on the first side, I, I read this rather disturbing report in the New York Times about memory laws in the United States of America, where um, six states have passed laws that are supposedly to ban critical race theory being taught in uh junior school, which it never is, apparently, so something that's in, only taught in law school. But the, the actual wording of the legis legislation talks about 
making people feel uncomfortable along ethnic or racial or gender lines. And I think what's happening in the stadium is an element of the crowd are being made uncomfortable by being reminded that we live in a racist society. So on one hand, you've got this, you know, that they're, they're booing because they don't want to have that, they want football, they don't want to think about that stuff, keep this out of football. But on the other hand, you've got the team standing together in solidarity, not only with the victims of racism, but with one another. And I think the booing has been one of the great binding aspects of this campaign. You know, they've stood up for one another. And I'd like to think, again, this may just be an old man dreaming, that the next time in a, a bunch of lads are in a bar and one of their friends of colour is being insulted, they'll remember that solidarity and they'll stand together and they'll stand up against the racists and the boo boys. So I take a lot of encouragement from what the team, the way the team has dealt with it. And I, and I think that's a, you know, that's a lesson to us all in that, in the way that the, the team's behaviour can help to change people's perceptions of how to deal with this problem. Ask, go on. I mean, I was just going to say, like, you know, I, I think um, the football writer Grace uh, Robertson tweeted this, which is, in all those years of defeat and humiliation, all we ever really wanted was an England team that you could be proud of. And I think regardless of what the result is going to be tonight, we have invested so much pride and love and affection in this team, not just because of what they've done on the pitch, but because of the way in which they've stood up for each other and stood in solidarity with each other. And I think that it reflects a vision of what England can be like, the direction the culture can move in, which is rather than being paranoid, suspicious, hostile and ungenerous, it can be suffused with the spirit of solidarity, mutual aid um, and and not just tolerance of difference, but celebration of difference, wanting to experience difference together. And I think that that's why this feel for me anyway, this feels like a really powerful emotional moment, even if I would stop short of calling it progressive patriotism, mostly because I just don't like well, that's the word. Fine. That's, fine. Um, that's, that's fine. But I mean, you know, the last, well, the last 15 months in the pandemic has, has revealed that the, so much of the social discourse, and I think perhaps our politics as well, is about trying to move the dial between individual freedom and the common good, the greater good in society. You know, maybe that's what socialism is all about, empathy and the greater good. And I think that that's reflected in the team, that they're willing to do things for the greater good, either on the pitch as a team working together, because this is not a team of individuals. You know, this is not a team where we've got a super player we send up the front. You know, it's much more of a team of, of individuals, but also in the way they've um, behaved off off pitch and, and, the, and the things that they put forward. So I think this is a, you know, it, it, partly maybe it's because of the pandemic that we, we see them in this different light, that they're not just bringing us a, a, a joy in the way they're succeeding, uh, but the, they're bringing us a lesson in how when we work together for everybody's benefit, then we get the results that we want. Um, Gareth Southgate himself, he said, he wrote this essay, Dear England, um, and in it he said about the football players, it's their duty to continue to interact with the public on matters such as equality, inclusivity and racial injustice while using the power of their voices to help put debates on the table, raise awareness and educate. Gareth Southgate, according to a poll now, more popular than Winston Churchill. But then he went and spoiled it by saying something a little bit dodgy. He said people have tried to invade it. I should, I mean, do I do this or not? It feels like sacrilege. And maybe Don't we... cancel Gareth Southgate. I'm just let me enjoy him. it. Let me enjoy not... the moment, Owen. He I, don't, just said... I, I, I don't think he's dodgy, Owen. I don't think he's no, dodgy. No, no, no. That was fine. That was what do you fine. Think, what, do you think, what do you think the England team did last night? What do no, you think... he's just what no, he no, said. What do you think they did last night? What do you mean? What, yeah. do, what did they do? Last night? Well, they obviously didn't go up in the pub like other England teams would. They're probably in the hotel, right? Biding their time. I will bet you a fiver they watched Darkest Hour on BBC last night. Winston Churchill. It's the Disney Disney-fied version. Oh, it's, yeah. I, mean, I sat there laughing through some of it, but there are times when when that story of what our parents and grandparents did in the fight against fascism should be drawn on and not be ignored. Fair enough, because he said people have tried to invade us. Yeah, because he said people have tried to invade us and we've had the courage to hold that back. You can't hide some of the energy in the stadium against Germany was because of that. I never mentioned that to players, but I know that's part... We're not... Look, Gareth Southgate is not cancelled. He remains father of the nation. But yeah, (laughs) okay, that's an interesting interesting point. Ash, before... We need to wrap up soon because people need to get... Probably sink some pints and just... Really yeah, no, I, 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 I need to listen to you. Had a, you had a no, question about the health service is under too much pressure already. Don't sink no pints till eight o'clock, all right? <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, be the drunken England fans. You'll miss the game, 
Stay, you know, keep cool. Listen, I want to, I'm going to be, have, you a know, nice, have a nice Peroni. I'm going to be listening to, to Free Lions and having a weep. But um, no, the, I, I guess there's, there's like a, a few broad points I want to make. And one is just how much I fucking love this team. Like, I love this team. I love the way in which they interact with each other. And some of it, of course, is political. And it is, you know, in the shadow of BLM. But it's also just seeing, like, you know, um, Bakayo Saka, who's a baby, right? He's a baby. He's a teenager. And being able to see this kid just out there playing out of his skin, just hooping, dispossessing people for fun. You know, he's got like the unicorn floaty, he's having a great time in the pool. And see those images of black joy and seeing them broadcast, you know, around the world. And that is representing our country. It's not just the politics of it. It's just seeing somebody who looks like, you know, the kids who I walk past like at the bus stop. Um, you know, carrying this mantle with such poise and such energy, you know, and 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 being able to live up, I think, to like the gravity of the moment, but also doing it in a way which is having fun and makes us all feel like we're having fun. I mean, that's why I love this team. Um, and I think that like this attempt by the right to turn it into, you know, who can shag the biggest flag it's because they want to take that joy away from us and they want to turn it into something which is, you know, contested and angry and really it's a referendum on, you know, how you feel about this country's history of imperialism. No, it's not a referendum on that at all. What it is is a moment for us to come together and enjoy ourselves and enjoy this image of the country and what it could be and where it could go, like, being broadcast around the world. And that's the closest you'll ever get to hearing me, you know, talk about progressive patriotism is my so, love for this team all um, things, and what it is they represent. If it should win, no, if flags people are shagging, people are going to This is, you know, but the thing is, all those, all those things are absolutely right, Ash, and I, I 100% endorse them. But you can't escape the fact that they're happening against the backdrop of a time when Britain is putting out a belligerent message to the world, a message, an insular message. Uh, against their closest neighbours, a, a rejectionist message against immigrants and uh, asylum seekers. You can't divorce that what's happening from the way the team are and the way they behave. And the real big question, I suppose, is whatever happens tonight is what do we do with this feeling? We know from the 2020 Olympics that this can dissipate just like that, magically. But 2020, uh, uh, the 2012 Olympics, we didn't have um, Brexit to deal with. We weren't in that time when um, the identity of uh, who we are was, was contested. And we have an opportunity here, again, whatever happens tonight, to build on this. Because there's another World Cup only 18 months away in, in Dubai. So we can, you know, move this forward. If we stay with these guys and work with this team and this idea to move forward and take this thing forward. Because what it sends out a message, not just to other people who have ambivalent feelings about their country, who are leftists or, um, you know, what want a better country, but it also sends a message out to the Nigel Farages of this world that their idea of what Britain is and what England means is not the only version out there, that there's another dissenting version. I would argue that the English dissenting tradition, which goes back to Magna Carta and goes back to the Reformation and the, the, uh, the Chartists, Leveling. the Levellers, of course, the Diggers, you know, that's as much what England is about. That riotous, rebellious, get out of my face attitude is as much what happens <laughs> as, as uh, the Queen and, and, uh, and Scone. So this is going forward. This isn't going to end tonight. This is going to be something that's going to go forward. I, I mean, I, I, look, I, I, I agree with you, but this is what I mean by culture happens in spite of politics and not because of it. A really good example of this is obviously that France team, which won the World Cup uh, two years ago, a majority black team. You've got Mbappe, you've got Kante, uh, you've got uh, Pogba, um, and the way in which you saw these guys just like the levels of like swag and drip and energy, you know, and style with which they conducted themselves. It was a huge rebuke to that, you know, kind of rising tide of, you know, white nationalism in France. Um, but it wasn't something which I think you had to, you know, necessarily hook to a political project to enjoy. It is just this thing of like culture will do what culture does. Um, and we can find meaning in it. But I think that, you know, it, it, you lose something, you know, when you try, when you try and force it, I think, into, into um, too overly determined a political project. I think, I think that's what I feel. And that, 
if I can very briefly just ask Billy about arts and culture, Owen, am I yeah, go on. Yeah, Because I, I was thinking about, you know, where is it that I feel and experience a kind of Englishness that I find exciting and that I like to participate in? Well, it's grime and it's drill. And I was just wondering what you thought about maybe the idea that, you know, in some ways where you see um, the English folk tradition being kept alive of that rebellious, like, get out of my face, you know, narrating our culture and our history from below. Like, do you see that happening in grime through the likes of like AJ Tracy, Kano, Crepton Conan? Um, do, do you see some kind of overlap there? I do, because I think in the 20th century, uh, music was the only way that young people had to express their views. They were totally marginalised in mainstream culture. Nobody listened to them. That's changed now. You know, um, uh, you know, most kids have got access to the, the you know, mainstream platforms, but there's still communities, uh, mostly people of colour, who are still marginalised and they are still using music in the way that we used it to uh, in, the, in the 20th century to talk to one another and people outside of their community to tell them how they feel. That's why the, the movements are in the black community. They're not in white communities, not like punk, you know, just much a black and white thing or the mods, which is a black and white thing or, you know, heavy metal, they were white things. You know, that's where the cutting edge is now in culture. In those places who are, uh, those communities who are denied a platform, who are still using art whatever, by whatever means to get their message across. So I totally agree with that 100%. And as I said, I, I, an absolute part of Englishness, you know, Stormzy on stage at Glastonbury with that, mm. uh, that stag vest on. With the uh, with the flag of uh, the Union Jack on it, a hundred percent part of who we are. To finish up, uh, oh yeah, to, to circle back just momentarily to that photo. Some far right extremists, I'm not going to name them uh, for obvious reasons, but they they wrote about the photo. Stop talking about the. Well, anyway, we are now. Those in politics are even more nauseating than TV or sports presenters, though. Keir Starmer was seen celebrating an English goal, an England goal, in the company of Owen Jones, who would open the borders permanently to everyone. And the awful Ashtar got rude. Um, do you remember that? Also, They're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, I can't, not sure I remember. I mean, I mean, obviously I'd opened the borders up just just to annoy this person. Yeah, just, just to spite this one guy. Just this one <laughs> woman, as it turns out. Uh, bizarre. But just before we wrap up, uh, to the, to the sign off, two, two little questions. Firstly, TBC asks, do you feel the culture wars are starting to be exposed to the general public as a load of right-wing rubbish is coming home? And finally, the most important question of all, from David Bowater, he's a great guy, I got to ask, do you think England will win tonight? So just do the first one and then just say something about that. Okay, um, I, I actually, for the culture wars question, I think that like the importance of culture and questions of identity, it reflects big changes in class composition. And so identity becomes this like master frame in politics where everything we understand in politics is through the lens of how do I see me? How do I see you? How do we see ourselves in relation to each other? So I don't think it's necessarily, I think that the minutiae of culture wars might be, you know, tiresome and people might get bored of it. But I think this, this problematic around identity is going to stay. Um, but the most important question, do you think England will win tonight? I think it's going to be really hard. I think it's going to be really difficult because this Italian team are experienced, they're disciplined. And they also, like in terms of the game they play themselves, they press very, very high. So it's that Liverpool style, you know, Klopp high press, which England hasn't really had to come up against so far in the tournament. So I think that's going to be really challenging. And then the other thing, um, I was talking to a friend yesterday and he was saying that what Italy also do is gamesmanship, right? England do like game management. Italy do gamesmanship. So they're going to try and like, you know, rile up the players, like, you know, wind down the clock, do all this stuff to like make our players lose their heads. Um, so I think that it's going to be really challenging, but I still dream. I still hope. I still, in my heart of hearts, can feel this like yearning, like bursting out of my chest that it might actually be coming home. Gosh, this is just too much. Billy. Uh, culture wars. Culture wars. Well, I mean, you know, looking at the United States of America, it's clear that culture wars are what the right give the uh the white working class who have been totally and utterly uh you know shredded by neoliberalism they they give them culture wars to make them feel like they're winning something and we have to be very careful that we don't get involved in that but it's all about you know the ideas of belonging culture wars are all around that and they're you know that's the key thing that i'm more interested in more than patriotism more than nationalism in sense of belonging so that everybody who, who lives in our society feels they're part of it 
so yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid we're going to be stuck with a culture wars agenda for a while because in a, in a post-ideological world, there's little else to glom onto. And with regard to the result tonight, I I, I, I agree with what Ash was saying about the Italian team. Uh, but the, the great thing about that is, if we beat them, it will be incredible. It will be an absolute incredible uh, achievement to beat this team. So I'm, uh, I, you know, I, I used to be sus, uh, superstitious, but I stopped being superstitious because I thought it was bad luck. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to jinx things by the result, I'm afraid. Um, wow, guys, this little gay nerd managed to present an entire show about football. There's <laughs> <laughs> hope for all of us. You carry, obviously I didn't do any work. I just listened to you guys. People, a lot of people calling for Ash to be uh, a match of the day pundit, which I think is be great. obvious next progression in her you could not trust me to be a match of the day pundit. I'm sorry. I am a monster. Like, one, I am that person who's, like, in the stands, like, you know, yelling obscenities, right? So I can't I can't be trusted not to do that on TV. And two, I'm a woman and I have eyes. And some of these players are fine. You can't, you can't have me commenting on that. It'd be obscene. The rule of you're fine, I'm trying to work out, because the rule of you can fancy someone legitimately is divide the age by two plus seven. And so I I'm not allowed them... to fancy anybody younger than 21, 22, I think, which means Foden is just no, about borderline. okay because he's 21. Borderline. So I'm it's allowed. not war, just to clarify to everyone. It's just just a guideline. Um, <laughs> guys, that was amazing. Thank you so, so much. You've got me pumped. I'm really quite excited now. Put your shirt on. Owen, is there a free Lions badge on that shirt you're wearing? Come on, why not? Why I might just go and get a badge and just knit it on. That's yeah. what I mean. Oh, no, you're going to stand up and, like, on the back of your shirt, it's like, you know, Forza Italy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I just thought I haven't had enough death threats today. So I thought I'd really <laughs> throw, that, throw that one in. Well, let's stop it um, That's great. Uh, but also, I'm not, can I just say, I wasn't calling, when I was talking about gamesmanship, I wasn't calling the Italy side the dirty side. I'm just saying that they have in their heads a way of taking control yeah. of the game by riling up the other side. And you look what? at, you look at, Jordi Alba. That was just yeah. what he was doing. That I was watching that, thinking, "Oh my God, the, the Spaniards are just going to blow this." Giolini is, the, but the thing is about those guys is one thing I will say: the defense is a bit old, and our mm. and our attack is really young. Our attack is really young, so I'm hoping that they'll they'll be able to nip past the old the old geezers and put. And it's put such a, it's such a joy. Also, like because Sterling has been put through it by this country's press. Like, well, and he was always story of redemption. That's what football. I know, and and to see him, you know, not just celebrated here, but also him playing so well, and you can tell he's playing with joy and like that quality that he has. And he's just got phenomenal game intelligence, so Sterling. And so, watching him, I just. Honestly, I can just feel my heart beating out of my chest. I just, I'm so happy. Can you imagine that if England win the streets of this country, it is going to be wild. And we have had 60 months of obviously an abject nightmare. I think we deserve this. I mean, I suppose oh, Italians could say that think, as well. But yeah, I mean, we, we deserve think, this. Think of the joy they've already given us. We beat Germany. Mm. Everything else since then has been ice on the cake for an old geezer like me, a 66 veteran like me. So <laughs> it's kind of, it's not, well, the, 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 I mean, the, this is the interesting thing. My son, who's not into football, my partner, who's not really interested in football, they're kind of into it. My son has been texting me. He's, he lives in Brighton. He's been texting me about the game. He's been, you know, what he knows I'm watching it and, I, and I'm watching it. My partner was sat and watched the Danish game with me. And I remember from 66, I was eight in 1966, and my family weren't really into football. I was into it. But my dad wasn't, my mum wasn't. But I remember we all watched it together. And it, it kind of brought us all together as a family. So in many ways, you know, we've, mm. we've gained so much from this tournament. We've come so far that, you know, free lefties like us can sit around and talk about these things like this. I think that's, that's, that's progress. You know, whether it's patriotism, Ash, I don't, you know, <laughs> you know identity is personal. I can't, I can't make you be a patriot. It's how you feel. I'm not wishing to do that. It's not my point, not my point of view. But at least it's got us to look at these things. Because in the coming years, I feel this idea of identity, particularly the English identity, is going to could be turned really, really nasty. And we need to be sort of like forearmed and forewarned and ready to know what we ourselves feel about our country and be willing to express it 
and be willing to stand up to the racists and the fascists and say, yeah, this is the England that we are part of, whether it's whatever you feel it is, Ash, or anybody else feels it is, so long as it's a positive, inclusive uh, identity, then I think we will we'll, we'll be ready to deal with these people. Well, maybe maybe this is time to um, reference a great Italian Marxist, um, Antonio Negri, who says that, you know, the impulse for revolution and love of football, it comes from the same human longing. It's the same desire. Um, so that's why I say that actually my love of football is an expression of leftism. What about if we end by singing Jerusalem together? Yeah. Oh, uh, do you know can what? we do World in Motion? <laughs> Love's got the world, the world. in motion. Like, wait, I'm not saying I can't sing for shit. Oh, come on. Jerusalem's about football and did those feet in ancient times. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't it make you think of Moro? Come on. I get really, I get, I get really moved by it. I, this is being I, mean, I love Jerusalem. Jerusalem could, I mean, you know, if we are looking, I mean, no joking aside, if we are looking for a, an, an English anthem, at least Jerusalem mentions the name of our yeah. bloody country. You know, yes. other than those, all those other songs, you know. And the oh, thing about miserable dirt, I mean, it, the song itself is about building a better society. Yeah, you know, yeah no, I love, I love Jerusalem. I, I agree. That should be, that should be our anthem. It's a, rev it's our revolutionary national anthem. It is. It's a progressive uh, patriot national anthem. That's what, we, <laughs> what we hum to ourselves in times of strife. Right, I need to go and sort. We've got, we've got a barbecue. I don't know if you're coming later, Ash. But yeah, I'm going to see you at barbecue later. Yeah, we're going to ride. I do not. A giant no Italian tricolor. Like. <laughs> they've got they've got loads of them in Tesco's. Go and buy yourself a flag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, lots of love. Fingers crossed for tonight. Let's yeah. get pumped, everyone. Lots of love. That was amazing, everyone. I think that was a real treat, everyone. So thank you so much. Cheers, guys. Um, I really enjoyed that. Was just incredible. I feel pumped. I'm full of adrenaline. Let's do this, right? Very. I'm just going to wrap up now because there's a big day ahead for all of us. Let's hope this video doesn't age badly. But I think it will stand the test of time because that was a thoroughly enlightening, fascinating conversation about identity, about patriotism, all that kind of stuff. Do keep supporting us on Patreon.com forward slash Owen Jones eighty four. That's how we will do the videos, the documentaries. We've got loads. Of, we've got a documentary coming up this month. Thanks to you. Need to work out what though. You can help us decide on Patreon. Uh, do uh, press subscribe, uh, press the like button. That's great for the algorithm before you leave. Press the like button if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, also, I need to thank uh, Tajuice Cantwell, TBC, David Barreter, Tony Murphy, and Pennywise. Thanks for your support. Uh, have a great one, everyone. Fingers crossed. If you're watching this or listening to this after the event, then I don't know what to say to you. Fingers crossed. It's, it, we can do this. Lots of love, everyone. Have a great, whatever you're doing, a great afternoon, and I will see you. We've got lots of videos coming out this week, and we are back live next Sunday at 12 o'clock. Uh, and do listen on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe on the podcast. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's coming home. See you, everyone. Bye. Hope you enjoyed it. Do support us on Patreon or use the support function in the description so we can keep doing all this stuff uh, with the amazing team and uh, also give us five stars go on please and uh, a review if you feel like it but anyway we've got loads of stuff coming up so do subscribe lots of love and I will speak to you soon Hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.